from WUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio, and we're finally back for the semester. This week on The Outlet, a shortage of firefighters brings about calls for change in Athens. We're having to triage calls because we have two or three coming in at the same time. And fall weather is coming soon. With the fall equinox comes cooler daytime temperatures and even some bitter nights, both of which I've missed so, so dearly. But that doesn't mean we haven't had a few days that feel like a summer throwback. These stories and more, right here on The Outlet. The Athens County Port Authority recently broke ground on a 60,000-square-foot development expected to bring around 100 jobs to the region. The building will be constructed at the Bill Tyson Industrial Park off Poston Road in the Plains. Director of the Athens County Economic Development Council and Port Authority, Molly Fitzgerald, says that while they don't have someone set to come into the building quite yet, they hope to have a tenant before the building is completed. This is also part of a larger effort to help um, Athens County diversify to reduce our over-reliance on our government sector and to support companies in the advanced manufacturing and biotech sector. While the exact timeline is unknown, Fitzgerald said she hopes for the foundation to be laid by around the end of the year. The project is a risk for Athens County, but less of a risk for businesses hoping to come into the space. Mike Jacoby, the president of the Ohio Southeast Economic Development, a nonprofit economic development corporation, said that the majority of businesses, around 75 to 80 percent, prefer to enter into a building that has already been built to skip the construction process. It saves them time, it saves them hassle, it's less risky, it's typically uh, less expensive. And so, uh, Jacoby gestured to the success of the building adjacent to the groundbreaking ceremony, Global Cooling Inc., which manufactures and sells Sterling Ultracold freezers, which have been used throughout the pandemic to store COVID-19 vaccinations. The building provides opportunities for new businesses to come to the region, as well as possibilities for businesses created from the Ohio University Innovation Center. Jobs Ohio, a private economic development corporation, gave a $2.9 million grant to develop the area for construction, and the Economic Development Administration gave a $5 million grant for the construction of the building. That doesn't mean $5 million up front, though. The Athens County Port Authority pays for the expense, then submits to the Economic Development Administration to get reimbursed. And I'm here today with sports director Aiden Crowley and associate sports editor Maria Manessi. And guys, tell me, soccer starting up? Mac play starting up? Nope. How are we doing? Where are we at? Um, well, I mean, women's soccer, it's one of the staples here at the university, and they're proving it again this year, starting off hot, 4-2. and two. But they got a big one uh, coming up on Thursday. Maria, you know about it. Obviously, the Kent State. Mm-hmm. Sticks out to Bobcat Faithful because they did drop that game last year. That was in the MAC tournament. That's what bounced them. That's what ended their season. And Aaron Rodgers and this team gets another shot at them. Yeah, they're sitting at four, two, and one right now. Um, but I'm sure it will be a big game, especially on the road for um, the Bobcats, just to open up MAC play, and especially with how things ended last year um, or their game last year, which is super exciting. A couple players like stand out. Abby Thompson won um, MAC Offensive Player of the Week this week, which is super exciting. She's a graduate student and a big leader for 
the Bobcats, so she'll probably stand out in this one. And they just have a lot of talent, both young and older, um, yep. on that team. That's something that sticks out to me is their youth. Uh, that's something Coach Rogers has kind of speak to a little bit as well. And, I mean, he got to play a lot of that youth in that 11 yep. nothing win against VMI, set a school record. So, I mean, this team, they're coming out, they're looking good, and they're going to try and prove it with a big game to open up their schedule. So, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's cool that there's, I, I guess, like a mix of player age in there, too, which is really neat. So. Yeah, I feel Abby Townsend's one of the leaders mm-hmm. for that team, a grad student. And I feel like the MAC tries to find literally someone else every week to try and give it to her because she's kind of the default for them because, mm-hmm. I mean, she's just that good. And so yeah. all these younger talents kind of get to learn from her, and it shows her leadership shows in this team. So Yeah, I'm excited to see this one just because of last year and everything. Obviously, New Year, again, a lot of young talent, but I think this will be a good one, especially because um, uh, Ohio is projected to, I think, win the MAC this year too. Yeah. So we'll they won be... the coaches poll. Yeah, this will be an interesting one. Yeah, that's exciting. Okay, you know, and also what else is exciting? It, for one, it's parents weekend. Parents are coming in and... OU's finally back home. Bobcats are back home after a few weeks on the road. So where are we at? Um, Football's finally back home this weekend, which is exciting. Yeah, they've been on the road at Penn State and at Iowa State, two Power 5 opponents. So two tough ones um, on the schedule for them. But those are over now. They get to be back home. The last time they were at home, they had a big win against FAU. So this one will be exciting as well. We'll look for the offense to step up again, just something that's been kind of lacking the past two weeks. But I think that they'll be able to hopefully get it back on track just because they played against two really tough defenses the past two weeks. So. Yeah, like Maria said, these past two weeks for OU has been brutal. And I think it's pretty easy for some fans and stuff to kind of lose faith in this team. And it's really easy to lose track of that week one win because that was really big for this program. Curtis Rourke kind of showed uh, who he can be as a quarterback. So I have no doubts that uh, Tim Albin will be able to get his team ready against a really solid Fordham team. So I'm excited for this one. I think it will be high scoring um, and a lot of passing in this game. So it's going to be exciting to see kind of the adjustments that are made and what kind of attested OU team can kind of put out there on Peden, so. And I know um, a lot, like the team and Coach Tim Albin has talked about this, but just being back in front of fans, I think, is big. He's mentioned it a couple different times, just having a packed um, Peden Stadium and just seeing them back in their their home environment just is really cool for them, and I think that'll also benefit them because who doesn't love playing at home, <laughs> so... Yeah, especially after what could probably be kind of demoralizing couple mm-hmm. of losses, you know, after playing those very, very tough programs and very, very tough teams. And it's parents weekend. I mean, maybe we'll have more parents in the stands than usual. That's exciting, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, growing up playing sports like that was obviously one of the number one things that you like to do is like going and playing in front of your parents, right? You grow mm-hmm. up, they're your biggest fan, your biggest cheerleader. Sometimes they're your coach. I mean, it's the same case for a lot of these college athletes and typically it's an excuse for parents to kind of make a trip down to Athens and check it out so I mean who wouldn't want to kind of especially after being on the road it it just kind of amplifies that for a little bit so who wouldn't want to have their parents in the stands for those games so yeah I agree and good time to come home and as I say do you guys think that as I say of course these were not Mac players that we've played the past couple weeks but you you see think the season's going to go a little better for us um, yeah, I mean, 
at the beginning of the season, the OU football team was projected like middle of the road, and I think their week one win was kind of a statement that they could maybe make some noise. I think Miami looks really good. They're probably going to be a good challenger in the MAC, but I think obviously the Battle of the Bricks, we're looking forward to that one <laughs> yeah. uh, at their place this year. Um, so it's going to be really exciting, but I think that they're a really serious threat. They got to get their run game figured out. They've struggled with that a little bit. That's kind of slowed the offense, but Rourke's made some big strides, and I think um, he could take this team some places. Yeah, this is the last. This weekend is the last game before they start um, MAC play, which is actually at Kent State. So, like soccer, um, they open up against Kent State for MAC play, which I think it'll be good for them to get this one and um, be able to head into MAC play. Hopefully, they'll be coming off a win to head into MAC play strong. But I think that they can do better than last year. And like Aiden had mentioned, just that week one win was big for them. I think that really got things started. And they knew in weeks two and three those were going to be tough. I don't think they knew that it wasn't going to be easy. And I think based on what Albin had said, just it was a learning opportunity for them. And I think it was big for them to go there and be able to experience something like that in a test in those loud, crazy environments. Thank you both for joining me. The nation has had to deal with plenty of shortages the past few years, but one that has been happening well before the pandemic is a shortage of firefighters. Andre Norrells tells us how the shortage is affecting Southeast Ohio. In the city of Athens, there aren't enough firefighters, and the fire chief is trying to find ways to deal with it. We're having to triage calls because we have two or three coming in at the same time. Which calls more dangerous? Which one do we take right now? Athens Fire Chief Robert Reimer says 10 to 12 firefighters should be on duty every day for a city this size. As of now, there are only four. The population says is about 24,000. With the students here working population, we like to think there's about 40,000 people here a day. This shortage isn't new. He says in Athens, it's been an issue since at least the 70s. The biggest thing is funding. You know, where does the funding come from? With about 50% of property in the city being tax exempt, the city doesn't get much funding from property taxes. So he wants university students to help fund the department with a student fee. Because 40% of our calls are going to university-owned structures alone, um, and there's no property tax coming from that. However, they are the largest employer in this area. They do provide income tax funding that way. In exchange, Rummer wants to provide safety education to students, like how to use a fire extinguisher. Even with the student fee, it wouldn't get the department where it needs to be, though it would help. But even now, it's in a much better spot than surrounding volunteer departments. The volunteers are, are hurting just as bad, if not worse, than what we are. We don't have the volunteers that we used to. Brody Davis, captain at Richland Fire Department, thinks this issue has to do with volunteering as a whole. Nobody wants to do anything for free anymore. Um, and that's really how these smaller counties have survived for all these years. Davis says he has seen some departments work on a budget of $25,000 a year. So many places rely on their volunteers. It shouldn't be all about pay. It needs to be more that self-pride, community pride, and everybody working together to achieve one goal, especially in an area like this where we, that's what you have to do. You have to work together to get to that point. For The Outlet, I'm Andre Norris in Athens. For those who may want to be a firefighter, Reimer and Davis encourage you to go to your local department and get more information.
The start of fall is right around the corner, and lead forecaster Aaron Ashley is here to discuss. Hi, Taylor. I'm so glad to be back in Athens, and I'm even happier to say that fall is finally here. With the fall equinox comes cooler daytime temperatures and even some bitter nights, both of which I've missed so, so dearly. Oh my gosh, me too. I'm ready for it to cool down, and I'm ready to pull out the sweaters. So what else can we expect to see with the changing season? Well, you have the obvious color changing of the leaves and this, as well as cloudy or rainy days, but the unspoken hazard of fall is honestly the morning fog. There's a pretty large difference between the daytime high and the nighttime low, and so the overnight humidity in combination with rapidly rising temperatures means that early morning fog is highly likely. So, of course, you know, be careful when driving in low-lying areas and when you're on these windy country backroads. Oh, absolutely. Foggy mornings are just incredibly common in fall because of that temperature difference. Oh, that, that makes sense. Okay, but Ohio weather can be kind of all over the place. How soon can we expect fall to, like, actually feel like fall? Finally. You know, I wondered the same thing, and thankfully cooler conditions arrived just in time for the start of fall. Expect a rainy transition, but this weekend will be the first glimpse we see before we get some heat again. Back at it with the unpredictable Ohio weather. Amazing. Thank you, Erin. Of course, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Reporter Chloe G. Workman has been following the story of Tayden Carpenter for a long time. Here's her story that premiered on Gridiron Glory. First time I went to practice and touched the ball, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. The quarterback for Ironton, Tayden Carpenter, faces a different challenge. He was born deaf. I get lose it all at first. I lost some of it, and then I completely lost it all when I was two. And it just, I got surgery that, like, following two months, and they did surgery, and they had to cut open my head and put, like, a magnet in it. Two exactly is a landmark age to where if you're going to lose it completely, you lose it. So he woke up, it was about a week before Christmas, and he lost it completely. The battle to get insurance to cover a cochlear implant was slow. The weight led Tayden's speech to slowly deteriorate, but one word remained. Uh, the very last word, his last word he could say was ball, but it was bah. So he would just, he, we remembered he, he lost mom and dad way before that, but he could say bah. Once Tayden got a cochlear implant, he started school. He was part of the first class to attend the ELF program at Marshall University, a program created to help deaf and hard of hearing kids to learn to listen and speak. But the work extended outside of the classroom. His sister, Tegan, constantly pushed him. Well, my mom would tell me I was like his speech therapist. If he would say a word wrong, I'd correct him, and I still do. I just, if he says something wrong, he gets mad at me when I do it, but he says like a lot of words wrong, so I just tell him when he says how to say it right. Well, I, what is your name? Tegan. I don't think she realizes how much she's helped me. Uh, throughout the years, I she probably would never know how much she really did help me, but uh, there's times that I did get mad when she's helped me say words, right? But at the end of the day, I just realized that she did that because she was trying to help me. He also found help within his community and his football team. I mean, the people that I played with, they opened arms and welcomed me into the game. It was just a cool experience. I mean, they obviously didn't have to do that, and they probably would have thought I was like an odd person. But I just kind of like, after that first game, I just showed them like I can play. So I was kind of like, I can play with y'all. So 
it was just cool and they all really accepting and from that day four it was just kind of like they were all like welcoming so it was a real nice feeling. While being deaf has many disadvantages, Tayden has been able to use it to gain an upper hand. It, it helps a lot. I don't, it's kind of, I mean, really no noise phase me in the games. I hear a lot of noise, but uh, when I take off the ear, it just completely changes for me. I mean, it's quiet. It's no outside noise. I, I just focus on what I see. So I kind of say that being deaf was horrible, but at the same time, I feel like it helped my eyesight just seeing more than what I see. So. So really from junior high on, as the game kind of evolved, it's been probably perfect for him. He probably loves it because it's literally very little talking. And I think that's probably why he likes sports so much too. I think it's in his element. You don't have to work so hard to hear people, understand stuff. You just get to see and then react. So, Of all the players Tayden has had to look up to, there was one in particular that pushed him to keep going. Cole Fremont, a former player at Eastern Beaver High School. Well, because we're kind of much alike because we both have an implant, you know, I mean, we're deaf and we both like football, and that's when he's wanted to look for somebody just like me to want to look up. I never had any spares uh, like Katie House to be able to look up the football player who's deaf because there wasn't any deaf football player around here. I didn't really think there was like anybody else that kind of played football that was deaf. So I kind of was like, I don't know if I want to keep doing it because I didn't feel like there was no, I get felt odd that I was in there. And then um, their family actually texted us and said that we should come to the games. And I was like, of course I wanted to. So I was like really excited. Kind of felt like it was a big moment for me. Like I felt like I met my idol and I was just like walking in there. And uh, I talked to him after the game. It was just cool to have somebody that was like me. So it kind of like pushed me, inspired me more. So it was just, it was a cool feeling. And now, Tayden has his sights set on where his journey with hearing loss all began, Marshall University. I never really went to practice or a game and thought, like, this ain't fun. I just, I've always loved it, so, and I like anything with doing it. Like, even when I was in middle school, if I didn't play, I would do ball boy. Like, I had to do something with the football team, so I just, I knew I was always wanting to do that. For Gridiron Glory, I'm Chloe G. Workman. You can hear more stories like this on Gridiron Glory at 11.30 p.m. on Friday nights on WOUB. But soon, you'll be able to hear more on your favorite audio platforms, too. That's right, Gridiron Glory is getting its own podcasts. You can catch the rundown from your games you didn't see on TV on Overtime. And there's another focusing on the community stories that mean the most to you, Beyond the Lights. Stay tuned on at Gridiron Glory on Twitter and WOUB.org slash Gridiron Glory. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett, with help from Johnny Lee. Word edited by Atish Badia, Aaron Payne, and David Forrester. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to the outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can find us online at WUB.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Newswatch underscore WUB, and on Instagram, also at Newswatch underscore WUB. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio. Stay tuned.